think the market is really particularly focused on it yet. And what about this uh, Fed stress test that came out after the market closed? The Fed basically said several banks could get very close to their minimum capital levels if um, if this recession continues and it's banned them from doing share buybacks and cap their dividend payments. Is that going to have an impact? Well, I think you saw in the market, uh, market finished strong towards the close and then peeled off after that announcement. I don't think it has a long-term impact. I mean, the, uh, the Fed stress testing wasn't too bad, uh, and but what is critical to the Fed is liquidity, and uh, that, uh, you know, the Fed are intervening where they can to buy into providing liquidity. They want the banks to be liquid. They want the banks to be able to have availability to issue credit where it's possible. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, maybe a shot across the bowels. Maybe it's just a reminder to the sector to ensure that uh, their focus is on um, providing liquidity into the real economy. Toby, thanks very much. Have a great weekend. That's Toby Lawson, Head of Global Markets. That's the City General Australia. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in Australia, the ASX 200 is having a good rally at the moment, up about 0.9%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan, up three quarters of 1%. The Cosby in South Korea also trading now. That's up about 1%. Looks like the Hang Seng is going to add about one and a quarter percent at the open in an hour's time. Gold is firmer this morning. It's at $1,765 an ounce. And Brent crude oil also moving up. It's at $41.58 a barrel. Thank you very much for listening this week. Do have a great weekend. Stay tuned for Back Chat after the news with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings. The weather forecast, hot with a few showers, sunny periods, maximum temperature of about 32 degrees. The outlook, mainly fine and hot apart from isolated showers. Over the weekend and early next week, it's 30 degrees, 77% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Susan Lavender with the half-hour news. The U.S. Senate has unanimously approved legislation for mandatory sanctions on people or companies that back Beijing's efforts to restrict Hong Kong's autonomy. The Hong Kong Autonomy Act must still pass the House of Representatives and be signed into law by President Trump. One of its sponsors, Republican Josh Hawley, had this message for the SAR. And I just want to say to the people of Hong Kong, whom I've had the privilege to, to meet and to be with them on the streets as they protest, as they stand up to this violent and authoritarian regime, I hope that today's actions will give you an added measure of hope that the free people of this nation and the free people of the world are with you and that we will not sit idly by, that we will stand up, that we will take action and that your cause for your basic rights, your cause for your basic liberties is our cause as well. Over 140,000 freelance and casual workers have been told they won't get a cent from a government subsidy scheme intended to help them survive the economic impact of the coronavirus. Cecil Wong explains. About a quarter of a million people applied for a grant of $7,500 under a provision of the Employment Support Scheme that's intended to help self-employed people. However, the administration says it's rejected more than half the applicants because they did not have a specific type of mandatory Providence Fund scheme that's designed for self-employed people by the cutoff date of March the 31st. Many freelance and casual workers say they've simply never set up such an MPF account. The government says 215,000 people have accounts of the relevant type. So far, $560 million has been paid to 74,000 self-employed workers. The government says the remaining 40,000 applications are being processed expeditiously.
The US state of Texas has suspended plans to further reopen the economy after the number of COVID-19 infections nearly doubled in 10 days. The governor, Greg Abbott, said no further businesses would be allowed to restart. COVID-19 is now spreading at an unacceptable rate in Texas, and it must be corralled. We have several strategies to reduce the spread without having to shut Texas back down. Closing down Texas again will always be the last option. India says China's deployed a large number of troops and weapons along the disputed Himalayan border in violation of bilateral agreements. A foreign ministry spokesman in Delhi said the troop build-up had been happening since early May. There's been no immediate response from Beijing. Twenty Indian soldiers were killed in a clash with Chinese troops earlier this month in the Ladakh region. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverson, your co-host today is Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. And we're going to be talking today about judicial independence in Hong Kong and the national security legislation. A senior mainland official has indicated that foreign judges will not be allowed to handle national security trials in future, even though the chief executive, Carrie Lam, had said on Tuesday that there will be a national nationality restriction on judges assigned to such cases. He added that judicial, quote, judicial independence means judges Judges are free from any interference in the trial of cases and exercise judicial power independently, rather than referring to the jurisdiction and power to adjudicate, unquote. Meanwhile, pandemics have accused Carrie Lam of misleading or lying to the public over remarks on her power to appoint judges to try the national security cases. On Tuesday, the CE tried to allay concerns about the independent judiciary, saying she will not just hand-pick judges for trials under the new legislation and will instead consult the Chief Justice before naming judges for such cases. She described as ignorant those who've raised concerns about the power to appoint judges by the chief executive. So where do these developments leave judicial independence? The CE has not seen the legislation. Does she know what's in it? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3, or you can give us a call on 233-88266. Alas, we're having problems with our email at the moment, our email server, uh, and uh, so uh, we can't read out any email messages. I'm sorry for that. We just can't access them. Uh, so uh, if you want to call comment, uh, pick up the phone, 233-88266, or you can comment, as I say, on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK uh, Radio 3. Um, just before we get into uh, the discussion today, uh, we do have, uh, there was this uh, email which is uh, which was uh, accessible, um, uh, because it was also sent to my, uh, sent to a different account. Uh, this is from Bowen. Bowen was responding to a comment made by Kim. And I know, Kim, I know you responded subsequently, but that was to the back chat email, and I'm afraid I can't read that out. Anyway, Bowen, I think, has right of reply in this in this situation. Uh, Bowen says, uh, Dear Backchat, I just wanted to amplify slightly on my views about racism since Kim completely misrepresented where I stand on the issue. And Paul Zimmerman has recently urged me to amplify on the core of my messages. Racism is a double-edged sword. It blurs our thinking about others and it also blurs our thinking about ourselves some westerners thinking about members of other races is an example of the former the limitations that are placed by the thinking of many in the east upon themselves are examples of the latter the former has to lead has led to constant interracial hostility and the tearing up of communities in the west while the latter has contributed to china's inability to modernize
rise in the East. May we all wake up in time to remedy both sets of problems. That is from Bowen. Thank you very much indeed for that. And the comment on our, on our Facebook page. Um, Jan says, uh, as a 40-year resident, I'm becoming very concerned how this territory is going to heal and have reconciliation. Many families have been divided and people from both sides suffered in many ways. Yet all we hear from official sources is to polarise society even further. Nothing is done to discuss problems or listen to dissatisfied elements of society. It seems like the national security law is like matching a metric bolt to an imperial nut and can only lead to cross-threading. Ma says, that's Ma Momist, says the prosecution can pick the judges. Tell me where's the judicial independence in that? This law is being written by the Chinese Communist Party. It's like having an organised crime write the law on how to protect their rackets. So surprised anyone of substance is taking these clowns seriously and not calling them out for it. Gerhardt says it seems like a complete cluster expletive to me. Beijing is trying to stop is trying to strong-arm laws they're not supposed to write. Carrie Lam, clueless as ever. Nobody has seen the wording, but apparently it's so wishy-washy that only specially appointed judges by a non-qualified, clueless chief executive can appoint the person. She doesn't know how qualified he or she is to reach a verdict on a case that would always pit freedom of speech against political motive. Good-o. Even the protesters are confused. What happens if the CCP implodes? That might be fun, says Gerhardt. And uh, TC says, should we believe any assurances given out by Beijing or the Carrie Lam administration? Don't insult people's intelligence. Thank you very much indeed for that. Backchat.rthk.hk uh, Lots of guests this morning. We're joined now by uh, Carol Peterson, Professor of Law at the William S. Richardson School of Law and Graduate Chair at the Matsunga Institute of Peace at the University of Hawaii, and also by uh, Ching Chong, a veteran journalist, and um, also in our Queensway studio, uh, Philip Dykes, uh, Chair of the Hong Kong Bar Association. Uh, we also hope to be joined later uh, by Alan Zeman, the uh, Chair of the uh, Langkwai Fong Group. Uh, good morning, or in in some cases, um, good afternoon. And thank you to all our guests for joining us. Uh, Ching Chong, let's go to you first. Uh, Ching Chong. Okay. Um, now, yes. you've been reported as uh, saying that uh, this new system under the national security um, law, I'm not quite sure how to translate it into English. It's going to be um, mutual co uh, coordination or cooperation of powers between the uh, legislature, the executive and the judiciary, that all three branches are going to um, be working together, basically, to uh, chase, uh, chase and um, convict criminals under the national security law. Is that right? Yes. Yes, this was the idea first floated by uh, uh, Xi Jinping in 2008. At that time, uh, he was not yet the president of China. At that moment, he, he, on, on that occasion, he mentioned specifically that, that Hong Kong should run uh, a, a system based on the cooperation between the three branches, uh, namely the executive, legislative, and, and, and the judicial branch. And at that moment, uh, he, his remark did cause a, a, a big um, uh, havoc in Hong Kong because we are used to a system whereby the, the three branches are quite independent of each other. So, so in fact, um, uh, what he mentioned in 2008 seems to be materialized in the recent uh, uh, national security law because the national security law uh, uh, stipulated that the uh, police uh, has to set up a, a, a special session dedicated to the 
uh, investigation of uh, national security crimes. And then the uh, um, attorney general has to set up a, speci uh, a specific uh, department handling uh, national security cases. And, and then it also spec specified that the, the CE has to appoint uh, a number of judges dedicated to the uh, uh, hearing of national security cases. So in, in other words, all these three branches seem to come uh, in line with each, each other. And, and, and therefore, to me, it seems that uh, uh, Xi Jinping's uh, plan uh, floated in 2008 seems to materialize now. So you're saying this has been Xi Jinping's plan for basically more than 10 years. Now he finally gets a chance to implement it. Exactly. He mentioned this uh, plan in 2008 when he made a visit to Hong Kong uh, to, to, to site visit the, the uh, race course. The, uh, at that time when Hong Kong was uh, ho hosting the, 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 race, uh, uh, the, the horse race in the Olympic. You see? So he, he, he came to Hong Kong to site visit this uh, um, starting race course. And on that occasion, he made that specific remark that Hong Kong ought to run a system whereby the three branches of power cooperate with each other. Well, but, but maybe it wasn't such an original idea by, by Xi Jinping, because uh, every country in the world surely has special arrangements for, for national security, because there are, there are secrecy requirements, there are special considerations. So you have one kind of special branch or another, or a CIA or an FBI or something, uh, operating. You have you have special trials. You have you have trials operating uh, in secrets. Uh, in secret, you have the the president or the head of state acting in, in some special way. When it comes to national security, things are done differently. They have to be. Ching -ching? Uh, yes, yes. But the problem is that the problem is that uh, Hong Kong practically doesn't have any say at all under the new. Uh, national security law is supposed to be uh, uh, superimposed on the Hong Kong system. Hong Kong doesn't have any say at all. You see, I mean, look, if if this is the way that uh, that things will, will, will happen, then we must ask why 23 uh, uh, years ago, when China resumed sovereignty over Hong Kong, why didn't they put the the, the same system on us? And that's because. Beijing knows exactly that such a system could not be implemented in Hong Kong. Otherwise, it will break this uh, one country food system uh, uh, model, you see. So Beijing should ask themselves why it uh, uh, refrained from doing so 23 years ago and, 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 and decided to do it now to, at the expense of uh, uh, breaking up this uh, uh, unification model. OK, you just heard uh, veteran journalist uh, Ching Chong uh, suggesting that uh, China is implementing, uh, uh, following on from uh, remarks made by Xi Jinping 12 years ago um, about uh, mutual coordination between the executive legislature and the judiciary. Uh, those remarks caused quite a stir at the time, I remember them well, and the Hong Kong Bar Association issued a statement expressing very strong concern about Xi Jinping's remarks back in 2008. We, we have the current uh, chair of the Hong Kong Bar Association, Philip Dykes, in our Queen's Road studio. Good morning, Mr Dykes. Welcome back to the show. Morning. Uh, is this the end of separation of powers in Hong Kong? Uh, 
it seems to be, but uh, as people have remarked, we've not yet seen the um, the legislation that says. Uh, well, you know quite a bit about it. I how, mean, when it comes to the actual offences, I know we don't know. But <laughs> in terms of the um, enforcement structure, we know a fair bit. It would now, appear. It would appear that uh, separation of powers has been um, eroded significantly. In, in where, where, where has that happened? Oh, certainly in respect of um, the assignation of the, sorry, assignment of um, a power of the chief executive to select judges for hearing certain kind of cases. Now, I'm Doesn't that happen at the moment with um, certain tribunals? No, that is a power to a point. When the chief executive appoints a, 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 an individual as a, a judge or judicial officer, that individual passes to the autonomy of the uh, judiciary. The judiciary is thereafter responsible for that judge or magistrate as to what kind of cases he or she deals with. Now, I'm very sorry to say this, especially as a barrister myself, albeit not practising, but <laughs> your, your organisation's essentially been rendered redundant as far as um, this national security um, bill is concerned. You've issued a series of statements and they've just be, all been ignored. You yes. haven't even been invited to um, any, any consultations, have you? Yes, we weren't invited to the, uh, the uh, party a couple of days ago uh, by um, select members of professions were invited to uh, pay their respects to the yet-to-be-born uh, national security law. Uh, we were at, uh, not invited. So our, our views were not heard. So we have to reach the conclusion that the, uh, what, what the Bar Association has to say is, is not considered of any importance as far as um, those making this law? Yeah, that would seem to be uh, uh, the fair inference to draw. Is there any point in continuing to issue more statements? Well, let us, let us see what the law looks like. OK, it, it, I mean, it's a big thing to talk about, you know, collapse the separation of powers. Uh, if, if you're talking about the, 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 the chief executive's power to appoint judges in these particular cases, which are very special kind of cases, she has said that she'll consult the, uh, the chief justice. Well, I, don't, I don't see why... Um, if you have to consult the chief justice to find out which judges are suitable for national security cases, why don't you leave the matter to the chief judge? Well, they've made clear the chief executive has a political responsibility for enforcing national security in Hong Kong, and that uh, that should extend to all aspects of the national security process. Yeah, well, then it's done at the expense of the um, uh, separation of powers in other jurisdictions. When cases with national security implications arise, they're dealt with by the judge on the spot. OK, uh, Carol Peterson uh, from... Uh William S. Richardson School of Law at uh, University of Hawaii. You're listening to what you make of all this. Well, I agree with what Philip Dyke says. I think that it's important to go back and ask ourselves, why did the Joint Declaration and the Basic Law make so many firm promises about Hong Kong's independent judicial power? Why did it promise that Hong Kong would have the power of final adjudication why did it promise that Hong Kong could continue to appoint judges from other common law jurisdictions? The reason for that was to reassure the people of Hong Kong so there would be a peaceful transfer of sovereignty. And Deng Xiaoping recognized that China was known not to have a right to fair trial and that the people would be very resistant to China's resuming sovereignty 
unless they were reassured that if they were ever accused of violating a criminal law in Hong Kong, they would be tried in a Hong Kong court according to common law principles by an independent judiciary that there would be no interference from the government that was prosecuting them or from mainland China. So all these years later, we see a complete revocation, really, of these promises. China's going back on its word. And it's very um, disheartening to see that the Chinese government will not even publish the law in advance. And I heard Elsie Long on the radio today saying, well, it's because there would be a disturbance. I mean, how sad is that to think that she does not feel that this law is really defendable. She hasn't even read it, as far as I can tell. Okay, Many well, of the people who are defending the law haven't read it, and yet they must know in their hearts that it would greatly undermine the promise of independent judicial power exercised in Hong Kong. Okay, let's put that to someone who has um, on occasion defended this law. Uh, Alan Zeman, uh, chair of the Lan Kwai Fong Group, now, now joins us. Uh, good morning, Mr Zeman. Good morning. So do you agree with Elsie Leung that uh, it's a bad idea to publish um, a draft of this law because it might lead to protests, and we don't want to have I, protests, I, do we? I, I, I do. I mean, you know, if you look at the glass half empty or half full, I, I don't think at the end of the day those people that uh, are against the security law coming in, uh, I think that uh, they have not uh, lived through uh, the problems that Hong Kong has lived through the last year. Uh, when the Mexico law was drawn up, no one expected uh, the, the, that we would have kind of like anarchy here when we had the protests here. Uh, it just, shops were being destroyed, people's lives were being destroyed. Uh, I mean, and, and in the last few months, what really spurred China to, the, to, uh, to act on this was that uh, 15 different incidents of bomb-making uh, were uh, uh, homemade bombs where were people were arrested uh, in 50 different incidents, as well as uh, ammunition, guns, rifles, many, many different things. I mean, obviously that in any country, in the U.S., in any country, is terrorist. Okay, let's get, back, let's get back to the, the question I asked, not just about the need for the law, but you're saying, yes, it's quite right to keep this law secret until it becomes law. I think, it's, I think because of what's, what's gone on, the division, as we can see at the moment, why, why doesn't everybody take a step back and wait for the law to come out? Wait to see. China does Normally not want you, to you, you, kill you, you, Hong Kong. China wants prosperity for Hong Kong. China needs Hong Kong to be the way it is. What's happened is it's become a political football between the United States and, and the EU and China, and obviously Hong Kong gets caught up in the middle. Hong Kong has said very, very clearly what they want. Uh, China has said very, very clearly what they want is to make sure that uh, the new law ensures the capitalist system in Hong Kong uh, remains unchanged, the rights and freedoms enjoyed by everybody. The, the, the point would be, the the point would be, Mr. Zeman. And, and it's yeah. going to, it's going to uh, maybe uh, a small group of people, I've said this in another interview, that uh, I'm not afraid of the law because I'm not planning on breaking the law. And, but you and, don't know what the law and, is. You don't know what the uh, law yes, is. But, but I say I'm willing to wait to see what the law is. And, I, and knowing China, you will, it is you will do. Bad, it's not a bad country. Aren't you a bit embarrassed, Mr. Zeman? You're you're completely saying whatever it is, I will do what it is. It says, and I and I, if I will. If that is the law, listen. Every 
country in the world has certain laws that that don't work. I, I'm not. But we don't. You don't even know what law. the law I, is. I That's the point. From where I come, from where I come from, I believe you're saying whatever it is, I support it. Well, because that will be the law. I mean, I, I, I don't want it, uh, mm. to go through what we went through the last year as far as people's lives. Families were afraid to go out last year. The thing is, you're asking for trust. You're asking for, you're asking for the people of Hong Kong to trust the leaders in Beijing. Is that right? Yes, I am. I'm but, saying it's high time okay. that Hong Kong people... Uh, listen, it is one country, two systems. Sure. One country, China... Uh, it, it's time to start trusting China. If we build up the trust with China, if Hong Kong people really build up the trust with China without destroying the trust, it, we'll have everyone will have a better life. The so chief executive, the chief executive, made, did say in in August. People. Yeah, it's made to protect sure. people. Every law, no matter if you're a lawyer, no matter what, and the laws, I believe, will be made. They've been tailored. Listen, they could have been a lot more draconian. Oh, hang on, you don't know what it says. You don't know what they say. How can you say it could have been a lot more draconian? Because you don't know what it says. Because they said they, China has already said that they're modifying the law, the security law, not using their own uh, uh, civil law system, but using the common law system. And and so I say, why doesn't everybody just take a step back? Listen to what you have to do. Let, let, let's wait to see when every when the laws come out. And then if we don't start, like what moment, is in the law, we, what, what do we, we do? We, we leave Hong Kong. The division in Hong Kong is so great. The reason China uh, did not want to come out with it immediately because it would cause greater division than we have at the moment, and we can see uh, that you can't even get a bill passed in Lechko yeah. at the moment. Can, can I put it like so, this? So that's not good for the life of the people of Hong Kong. No matter what legal says or any other people, I look at. The big picture, and I think in the big picture, Hong Kong will prosper. And 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 no matter what lawyers or anyone else says, I believe that Hong Kong will prosper and will continue to to be great under China. And if it doesn't, then you'll have a lot of dissension. That's here. nice, believe, but Mr. I, Zeman, I, I believe the world, but uh, but I believe China knows that. I believe that's why they're trying to tailor okay. make the laws. But I say let's wait. Okay. Well, you why say you believe that. Apart? But you you say you believe that. Uh, you, you're just saying I what? Do. You're saying shut up. Shut up well, and... I'm not saying shut up. I'm okay. saying let's so, wait. So you, I, I, I mean, the saying, point why is... Why do we have to argue? Why do we have to argue if we haven't seen the bill yet? Yeah. What is the because we haven't seen the bill yet. I mean... Uh, could, could I... Uh, and let's give Carol Peterson yeah, a Carol chance to respond. Carol Peterson. Oh, can you blindly support something that you have not, that, uh, not, not seen? Okay, we already got... Can you support a piece of document that you, you, you don't even know the content of it? Okay, let's go yeah, to Carol, I, I, let's go to Carol Peterson and then we'll come back to um, Alan Seaman because we only got Carol Peterson. Yeah. I, I would just like to briefly respond to what Alan said about people being afraid to go out in the streets. All of the acts of violence that occurred, and, and they were acts committed by a minority of protesters. The vast majority of protesters in Hong Kong in 2019 were very peaceful. But all of the acts of violence are already prohibited under Hong Kong law, and people are being prosecuted. And it's not as though those acts of violence are the result of some gap in the law. So okay. it's really a problem yeah. of policing and a problem of the failure of the Hong Kong government to negotiate. Let, let's put the that back to... Like sorry, Carol Peterson, let's put that back to Alan Zeman, because he's got to go in yeah. literally a couple of minutes. But, but, sure. but that, will, that will continue. Listen... Uh, not everybody is going to get be tried by Chinese uh, uh, officials or, or, or taken back to China. Uh, it's only for matters of, 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 of treason, of secession, all the wor- all the all the uh, the words that uh, you know uh, um, compliance with with uh, foreign 
governments or that kind of thing. That that's the only thing that will that that will be tried, you know, in 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 a, in a in a different way. But I think I think, and that's something that we haven't really experienced until the last little while in Hong Kong with independence and all that kind of thing. So all all they're trying to do. I say, just let's wait. I mean, at the end of the day, I understand everybody. I understand the ones that are dangerous and are afraid, and, and I understand. I've been successful by being positive all my life, and 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 maybe, maybe I'm wrong or what, but I, I don't know. At the end, I look at the bottom line at the end of the day, and that's the way I've lived my life. And I can understand all the concerns, and I and and I can't say I disagree or agree or whatever. Everybody has a different opinion. The good thing is Hong Kong. We will continue to be able to express our opinion. You'll be able to have your radio program on that chat, and 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 that that will continue. That much. I've been here for 50 years. I've been in China for 35 years. I've seen the changes that have taken place in China. In many cases, China is further ahead than most parts of the world. I look at the U.S. today, and I'm horrified. What, what's going on in the U.S.? But this is but this is but this is acknowledged. This is acknowledged by Beijing as a fundamental change. To the operation of Hong Kong, they say this is a historic change. This is they say this is the biggest change well, since the handover. This is what listen, they say. The basic law was done in 1980. Yeah, I mean, many laws, as far as I'm concerned, not just basic law, all over the world need to be upgraded. We're living in a world of technology today. People are on their mobile phones, all that. Those laws didn't exist. It, 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 those things didn't exist when laws were written. And I really believe that everyone needs to look at. Modernizing laws, different laws, and and and、uh, and and kind of applying to listen. Laws are made to help the life of the people, make people have a better life, and that's basically all I think that people, you know, people look at things through different glasses, different colored glasses, and, and that, that's the biggest problem. I understand everybody's concerns.、Uh, I'm not an idiot. I understand everyone's concerns, but I say let's back off for a little bit. It's only supposedly coming out on Tuesday. Let's just wait and see、uh, what 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 is there.、Okay. And I think at the end of the day, everyone will be pleasantly surprised. Okay, we're we're out of time. But Alan Zim, thank you very much indeed for for joining us.、Uh, back、uh, with more after the news.、Uh, the weather hot with a few showers and some sunny periods. Thirty degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is at seventy six percent. Eight red drought has come to an end. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back, back chats on a Friday morning. We're talking about、uh, judicial independence and the、uh, forthcoming national security legislation.、Uh, we have with us、uh, Philip Dykes, chairman of the Hong Kong Bar Association,、uh, Ching Chung, a veteran journalist, and Professor Carol Peterson, professor of law in the William S. Richardson School of Law and graduate chair at the Matsunaga Institute for Peace at the University of Hawaii, formerly the University of Hong Kong. Uh, uh, if you want to comment,、uh, I'm sorry, our、uh, email is not working at The moment, I beg your pardon.、Uh, you can though go to our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Three, or、uh, join the conversation on the telephone. Two three three eight eight two six six is the number. A few more comments、uh, on Facebook. Uh, this is Darren says. It seems to me since 1997, Hong Kong has mostly been self-harming itself, brought on by the fear of China, but also pressure in society, housing, etc. These things have been taken off by all who wants to see the fall of China. For instance, the likes of media publications, Apple Daily, who instead of reporting the situation, pick sides, making the situation worse with what I would call racist and derogative head- derogatory headlines. If we could just, but 
put all the energy into making Hong Kong a great prosperous place for all citizens and work with China as one country, two systems, Hong Kong will be in a great position by 2047. The national law, national security law, in my opinion, will help this situation. Uh, Nig says to Alan Zeman, who was in, with us in the first part of the programme, stop embarrassing yourself. You also understand the more you open your mouth, the more a global joke you make yourself and the more people will resist the bill. TC says, should we believe any assurances given out by Beijing or the Carrie Lam administration? Don't insult people's intelligence. And uh, Bob says, if I ever entertained lingering doubts about uh, Mr. Zeman's kowtowing, he has just dispelled them completely. Back to us. Uh, on RTHK Radio 3 is the Facebook page. Our guests as we continue the discussion in the second half of the programme are Professor Carol Peterson, Professor of Law at the University of Hawaii and of course formerly at the University of Hong Kong, veteran journalist uh, Ching Chong and uh, Philip Dykes, uh, Chair of the Hong Kong Bar Association. Professor, Profe Professor Peterson, sorry I cut you off before the news, let's go back to you. you we've had you on the show several times um, over the last couple of years where you've been expressing increasing alarm about um, Hong Kong's future. I mean, what, what, what's, your, what's your opinion? On, or feeling on that now? Well, let's take a look at what Alan Zeman said at the end. He confidently said the good news is we'll all be able to disagree and speak up even after the law is enacted, but we really don't know that that's true, right? Because it's been rumored that if people don't support the national security law after it comes into force, which will be the first time you see the law, you might be disqualified from standing for elections to the Legislative Council. There are all these little snippets and rumors and threats being spread about. So that makes it a really brilliant plan, isn't it? You can't critique the law before it goes into force because it's a secret. And if you critique it after it goes into force, you risk losing your political rights. So that is certainly cause for alarm. Um, I think we also have to remember that any acts of violence are already prohibited under Hong Kong law. So by definition, if there is a lacuna, which is what some people keep saying, there's a lacuna on the law, if there's something missing that's going to be filled next week, it has to be a new prohibition on certain peaceful acts, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't need a new Well, law. I think we know what that's so going, what to, be, going to be, isn't it? They, they've repeated, there have been repeated indications out of Beijing that um, advocacy of Hong Kong independence is not part of freedom of speech. I mean, there's editorials in the China Daily um, in the past week saying this is beyond sure. the bounds and, of um, freedom that, of speech. I agree with you, and that is directly in contravention with what the UN Human Rights Committee has said, in that their interpretation of laws to protect national security do not allow for exceptions um, when it comes to peaceful advocacy for self-determination, independence, multi-party democracy. The UN, UN Human Rights Committee has repeatedly said that you cannot prohibit peaceful advocacy for those things in the name of national security. And so we know even without saying the law, we know that there's a very good chance that this law is going to contravene the ICCPR. That means it's going to contravene Article 39 of the Basic Law, which means the Hong Kong judiciary is going to be put in a very difficult position. Well, because up until now, the Hong Kong judiciary has been trying very hard to interpret all local laws to comply with the ICCPR. 
They also say, I mean, I've seen mainland editorials this week, they say, well, um, in the, they look at, say, say, look at Catalonia, where people were sent to prison for advocacy of independence and organising a referendum on independence there. And as far as I'm aware, Spain is a signatory to the ICCPR as well. They say that the, there are other precedents in other countries to suggest that uh, there are limits on free speech and grounds of national security. Well, the people in Catalonia were not jailed simply for advocating peacefully for independence. The, well, some of them were jailed for organizing referendums. Or not to organize the referendum. So it was an action that was taken to try to effect secession of Catalonia. And that was very controversial. But there are many countries where there are perfectly legal independence movements. There's one in Hawaii where I live, and no one would dream of trying to outlaw the Hawaiian independence movement. The honest truth is that when a government tries to crack down on peaceful advocacy of independence, they usually just build more support for it. They build resentment among the people. So it actually makes more sense for the government to allow freedom of expression and to allow the development, gradual development of democracy in Hong Kong rather than to try to quash all criticism through this draconian law. Of course, there are those on the other side who are almost welcome this national security law. They say, well, it's showing Beijing's true colours. I, I don't quite put your um, uh, former colleague, Benny Tai, at uh, Hong Kong U in that category, but he has written about a 10-stage process which will lead up eventually to a declaration of state of emergency and um, uh, bring us out to a different future in Hong Kong that um, uh, some, some people on the more radical side might, might actually wel welcome um, Be Beijing stepping up confrontation. I find that very scary. I, I do understand that Benny Tai is more optimistic than I am about the end result of all of this. I do think that, unfortunately, both sides have become very, very confrontational. I think the people who are waving American and British flags in the protests were being, frankly, quite foolish. Um, but on the other hand, Beijing has to realize that while Beijing controls Beijing's response, the pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong isn't in control of all of the young students, many of whom I think are very, very disillusioned. And so I think it really falls upon Beijing and the pro-government legislators in Hong Kong to try to persuade Beijing to take a little bit more of a, of a conciliatory and, and more rational approach. I'm simply threatening to outlaw peaceful advocacy for independence or to, out, to make it a criminal offense to criticize Beijing overseas is only going to make the situation much, much worse in Hong Kong. I don't think it's going to bring peace to the streets of Hong Kong. I think it will actually make things worse. Okay, you, th you think it will make things worse. Um, but you know, having worked in various places around the world, people do things differently in different places, and you have different you have different standards, you have different expectations. And when it comes to secession, yeah, you have Spain has one attitude, the United Kingdom has another, and who's to say the United Kingdom, for example, has got it right, uh, or that um, the way that America does things is always the perfect model, and it always should be held up as a, uh, as, as the right way to do things. Um, you know, maybe the sky isn't falling on our head. Maybe even with this legislation, uh, when it comes in, uh, we would be something like Singapore, say, uh, where there are, uh, you know, restrictions on the press, and there are, there's a lot of criticism of the way judiciary works and things like this. But, you know, it's tolerable. It's okay. It's a, it's a lively 
interesting place, you know, a real kind of place. And maybe we could learn to live in a Hong Kong that was more along those lines. I don't know. My point is that it contravenes the promises made in the Joint Declaration and the Basic Law. I, I agree with you. People live under all sorts of political systems. People live in Shanghai under the domination of the one-party system. But that was not what was promised to Hong Kong. And just to go back to the original topic of the, the show today, which is judicial independence, one of the things in the summary of the law that's been released that worries me the most is that phrase that says, except in exceptional specified circumstances, the Hong Kong courts will have jurisdiction. At this point, we don't know what those special circumstances are. We really do not know whether a person arrested in Hong Kong for violating Hong Kong law is going to be tried in a Hong Kong court, which is what people were promised in the Joint Declaration and in the Hong Kong Basic Law. So... To go back to my original point about what is the lacuna, it seems to me that if a government has determined that certain peaceful advocacy is absolutely unacceptable, that it crosses some red line that Beijing cannot tolerate, then it's incumbent on Beijing to let people know what that red line is well in advance so that people can adjust their behavior or make plans to live elsewhere if they have that option. But to keep that law a secret and then suddenly bring it into force without warning places not only the people of Hong Kong in a, in a really difficult situation, but I think it is a direct challenge to the common law legal system and to the tradition of the Hong Kong courts of upholding the ICCPR. Um, could, could I just say a lacuna is, a, is it like a gap or a, or a loophole, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Philip Dykes. No, lacuna means a gap. Yeah. A gap, and that's what people keep saying is that because Hong Kong has not implemented Article 23, there's some sort of gap. And it is true that a couple of the offences, subversion and secession, which are in Article 23, are not actually criminalised in Hong Kong. Although most of the other things that are mentioned in Article 23 are already prohibited in Hong Kong law. But my point is, if you're going to fill some lacuna, you should give people advance notice of what the language will be and give groups like the Bar Association an opportunity to point out any ambiguities and to clarify them. Okay. Um, Philip Dykes, in addition to being chair of the Hong Kong Bar Association, you yourself personally take on a lot of constitutional law, basic law and human rights cases. And um, if this law is passed, it's quite possible you might... Would you feel any hesitation? I mean, in um, in China, plenty of lawyers have been locked up for um, taking on national security cases. Would you hesitate to take on cases under this new law? Uh, No. Uh, That's for two reasons. Um... I will be obliged under the Bar Code of Conduct to take on a case in an area where I practice and if I'm properly instructed and um, I have to afford on um, regardless. So think, it's a matter of professional obligation. Do you think some of your more junior colleagues might be... I think we've already had Anita Yip, who's the vice chair of the Bar Association, worrying about her, her, whether her husband as a lawyer might be targeted. I mean, do you think some of your colleagues are worried? Uh, yes, I do. I think some of those that have been uh, uh, active in the past um, nine months or so in uh, representing people um, uh, caught up in the, um, I'll call them the troubles, uh, they may, they fear that, well, doing this kind of thing in the mainland gets into trouble. And they're a bit apprehensive. But as I say, 
we've not yet seen the law. Their minds could have been put at rest or their worst fears confirmed had been given notice of what the law actually said. And how do you assess the mood in the judiciary? I mean, just from an informal feeling, I mean, nothing formal or anything like that, the mood in the judiciary who are going to be put on the forefront of deciding these cases. I make it a point not to uh, trespass into the uh, judicial arm. I can't say what the judge Okay, let me put it another way. Uh, Do you think judges are going to be put in a difficult position under this law? Um... If they're selected to do national security cases, uh, yes, because um, giving one judge the ticket to do national security cases, whatever that means, and that could range from treason right the way down to dealing with um, disclosure of official secrets. There's a huge range of uh, uh, cases. Um, They could feel... uh, but in a video's position, if you are known to be a national security judge. And my concern would be that that uh, label would be carried over into other cases. So if they do regular criminal cases or regular civil cases of the government, a government interest is involved, people will say, well, he's bound to rule in favour of the government because he's a national security judge. This is one of the things that uh, uh, I don't think has been thought through, that you can't, you can't get rid of that label. And how's it going to work anyway? You're going to, I mean, I know national security cases mostly will be going to, probably to the High Court, but you, <clears throat> you'll presumably have some committals or yes. some minor offences in magistrates' courts. You're going to have to designate judges at, at, at all levels and, and magistrates as well. That seems to be the case, yes. And because, in fact, all criminal cases start off in a magistrate's court. Yeah, so you, so you must have some magistrates. Yes, and through to the court of final appeal where you mm. don't have spare judges. Any, uh, well, I suppose you have you, you panels have, of non-permanent judges. What you have backup have? judges, yes. So you're going to designate some people from the backup list? Mm. I, I, I don't know. I'm going to say... And also, can this be implemented without local legislation in Hong Kong? I mean, it's, as, a, as a practical matter, can, you, can yeah. the chief executive start designating judges without a, a, an implementing law in Hong Kong if we assume the national security law doesn't go into that level of detail about the procedures for doing this? Yes, one of my concerns has been that uh, you can view the national security law as a piece of hardware. Uh, hardware will function with soft, software. The software in our side of the border is the common law. I'm um, concerned that the software that supports the main and concepts of national security offences will not merge happily with common law uh, provisions. For example, if the main law has special detention provisions which allow for extended periods of um, detention, uh, how do they square with our detention provisions, which would provide a maximum of 48 hours to detain a person before bringing them to a court? Well, it's quite clear they override it because um, they've said that this law overrides, and also it's a newer law anyway, so it's going to override existing legislation. That's right. That's right. That, that's what I mean. Uh, how, much, how many of those um, other things, as, for example, access to lawyers... Does the writ of habeas corpus survive? Habeas corpus. Does it survive? I mean, can it survive over a new well, I, if the conclusion is that mainland law does not permit a habeas corpus application, 
uh, habeas corpus application in Hong Kong, we'll soon have the answer to that. Does, does this come down to a matter of, of perceptions? Um, I quoted in the uh, opening that uh, senior mainland official who said, judicial independence means judges are free from any interference in the trial of cases and exercise judicial power independently rather than referring to the jurisdiction and power to uh, adjudicate. If the chief executive does choose these judges, uh, the judges are still free to exercise uh, their power without without pressure. Uh, whoever she chooses, they can still do what they like. Yeah, of course, yeah. we see this in the Supreme Court in the United States and so on. Yeah. Um, they can still be judicially independent, uh, even though they're appointed by the executive. Yeah, it's a matter of, I say... The way it looks. Not of appointment, but of assignment. Uh, the, way, the way it looks. And in this, case, this area, appearances matter. You can have um, a wholly impartial judge who conducts a trial fairly... But because of something uh, uh, about his appointment uh, or a close connection, he is deemed to be not independent. Independence and impartiality are separate, separate matters. And he, as I say, the uh, fact that a judge has been designated a national security judge would seem to be seen to most people that. He's been he or she had been selected because of some special uh, sympathy towards national security issues, and they will they will uh, not have confidence in the uh, result of any adjudication because of that connection. As I say, appointments one thing. Assignment's another thing. Assignment is the responsibility of the judicial arm. What, what they've spoken of is, is not a question of the sympathy, but a question of a dual allegiance, a question of having, when it comes to national issues, um, obligations or sympathies or whatever, allegiances uh, that you know take the form of a nationality, to, to two places, to Hong Kong and to, to somewhere else. Well, I know other jurisdictions permit uh, judges with dual nationality to uh, deal with such such cases. For example, in the United Kingdom, uh, you can be a judge, you can have dual national, you can be a citizen of the, of the Republic of Ireland, you can be a citizen of a Commonwealth country. You can, you can still um, exercise judicial functions in that country. Let's, let's go back to Ching Chong, Ching Chong, veteran journalist. And we started with Ching Chong uh, talking about um, uh, Xi Jinping's plan for the um, executive, the legislature and the courts all to work together to implement this national security law. Uh, Ching Chong, what happens when uh, if um, China discovers that the uh, judiciary is not cooperating in the way that um, they would perhaps like it to do so? Well, I think they have uh, lots of ways to dismiss those uh, judges that they no, not uh, so easy still in Hong Kong at the moment. I mean, judges are protected until um, uh, retirement age under the basic law, and they haven't made any suggestion they're going to change that part of the basic law. Yes, but, but, but they can delist those uh, uh, undesirable judges from hearing national security law, you see. They can delist them. Because uh, they, they, invest, they invest the power of... Uh, Nominating the judges to carry them, so she can always be listed. 
because they've been suspicious of the Hong Kong courts for a long time, haven't they? they there's so many Hong Kong court judgments they don't like. So they must be worried this is not going to suddenly change under the national security law. Judges are going to continue delivering what they think are the wrong judgments, right? Yeah. Now, look, uh, we have several cases. Um, when the white paper on Hong Kong was published, there's a follow-up editorial in the People's Daily saying that the, the situation of having foreign judges to judge on a Chinese issue, the situation has to be, um, uh, has to end. They use this phrase, uh, inviting foreign monks to recite Chinese scriptures. And they said, hey, this is not going to, 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 to last for long. They've already indicated uh, in 2014, following the publication of the white paper, that they, are, they, that they intend to, to gradually phase out foreign judges in Hong Kong. So they have, I think they have already some sense uh, towards this, this eventual end. But the same... So they have, they, yeah. Right? At the same time, they have to compromise on this law because we, we can't be sure until we see this law, but it seems likely this new law will not stop foreign judges uh, from hearing national security cases. So, uh, clearly, many people in China want, want this law, new law to do that, but the late, the, all the indications are they come up with this alternative arrangement of panels of judges instead. Um, and, of course, the uh, Hong Kong chief executive, not that they necessarily always listen to her, but has spoken up very strongly against um, stopping foreign judges. So... They, they, it's not as easy for them to, to, to stop foreign judges as they thought, maybe. No, no. The problem is that they less power in, in, the, in the CE to nominate a number of judges. So therefore, the, every four years or every five years, coming up with a, a, a new term, the CE can decide who is going to stay in that list. The problem is that she can, she or she can be this, this uh, uh, undesirable judges in the in, in that prescribed list of judges. Is it? Do you think the most likely scenario is that uh, chief executives, perhaps following guidance from um, the central government, will will make sure there are no foreign judges on these lists? Well, uh, not in the initial years. In the initial years, I think they will still keep. A number of uh, foreign judges, but um, uh, when the system goes smoothly, then eventually they will try to have uh, 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 people not to have foreign judges list uh, hearing national security cases. And how about when they encounter Hong Kong judges who um, rule the wrong way as far as they're concerned? What, what can they do about that?
And until now, we are, we are, we are told to support the law. The example, Alan said that he, he can support whatever uh, 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 coming through. And everybody is asked to blindly support this draconian uh, law. So uh, they can do whatever they like, you see. That is the problem. And you see, uh, the other day when the, when the, when a, a, a judge finds these uh, seven cops who, 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 who have beaten uh, a legislator, the, the Chinese press in, in China at all at once said that foreign judges should be abolished in Hong Kong. So there is a very strong sentiment in, 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 in the Communist uh, uh, Party that they have to do away with, this, this, with the foreign judges in Hong Kong. So I think eventually, perhaps not in the first uh, 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 five, uh, five years or, or, or ten years, but eventually foreign judges will, be, will, will have to go. Uh, as you know, this, this, these developments with the national security legislation are, are happening at the same time as uh, unprecedented uh, uh, actions being taken with uh, the education uh, in, in Hong Kong, teachers being required to do these extra hours and so on, uh, pressure on the media, this review at RTHK uh, and so on, the legislature, concern about you know who's going to be allowed to stand for LegCo and things like this. This is happening, as you know, in many, many fields uh, across Hong Kong. What, what does it amount to? Do you think that this is a real change, this is a, a watershed uh, in, in, in Hong Kong, the, the uh, Hong Kong um, after next week uh, is going to be a different kind of place? Well, I think gradually that will be the outcome. Now, uh, Alan said that we have to see things in the bigger picture. I'll, 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 I'll say a little bit about this uh, bigger picture. Way back in 2007, the Central Liaison Office in Hong Kong has already put out a proposal to set up a second governing team in Hong Kong. Now, that was 2007, long before the Occupy Movement long before the, the fishball revolution, long before the uh, anti-extradition law happened last year. So all these so-called so turmoil in Hong Kong are simply used as a pretext to exercise more control over Hong Kong. See, because long before all these so-called so disturbance took place, Beijing has already floated the idea of second, setting up a second governing team. And that was in, in, in 2007. And at that time, I've urged legislators in, in Hong Kong to move a motion asking the Hong Kong government if they know of such a plan, a plan to set up a second governing team. But unfortunately, at that time, many people uh, I thought that uh, uh, the idea to have a second governing team is too absurd, and no legislators would, would, would like to take up my idea, my proposal to move a motion in the legislature to dissuade this very crucial issue. So in, in fact, we, we, we see from, from, from past history that as early as 10 years after the handover, Beijing has already muted the idea of tightening the control over Hong Kong. 
So this, the so-called disturbances that, that we saw in the last few years simply provide a pretext for Beijing to doing so. Okay, well, we're out of time. Ching Chang, thank you very much indeed for joining us, the veteran journalist on the line there. Many thanks to uh, Philip Dykes, chairman of the Hong Kong Bar Association. Thank you very much, Mr. Dykes. And thank you to Professor Carol Peterson, professor of law at the William S. Richardson School of Law and graduate chair at Matsunaga Institute for Peace at the University of Hawaii. Thank you very much indeed. Danny, thank you very much. Uh, here's the weather before we go. Hot with a few showers, sunny periods, and temperatures today up to 32 degrees. Let's see over the weekend. Mainly fine and again hot. Apart from some isolated showers uh, over the weekend and early next week. 31 degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is now at 75%. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion. To fight this pandemic, take preventive measures when commuting. Avoid rush hours and busy times and take advantage of flexible working hours. Wear a mask when taking a ride. If possible, open the windows to ventilate the vehicle. Clean your hands with liquid soap and water or alcohol-based hand rub after using public transport or touching public facilities. Social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Tips for you and me to prevent COVID-19. 9.33, the news now with Susan Lavender. The U.S. Senate has unanimously approved legislation for mandatory sanctions on people or companies that back Beijing's efforts to restrict Hong Kong's autonomy. The Hong Kong Autonomy Act must still pass the House of Representatives and be signed into law by President Donald Trump. The U.S. state of Texas has suspended plans to further reopen the economy after the number of COVID-19 infections nearly doubled in 10 days. Meanwhile, the head of the U.S. Center for Disease Control says up to 20 million Americans may have been infected with COVID-19, a figure 10 times higher than the current number of confirmed cases. And the World Health Organization has warned that Europe is also facing a resurgence of COVID-19 after lockdown measures were eased in many countries. The agency's regional director, Hans Kluger, said there's been a rise in the weekly total of cases for the first time in months. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Thanks, Susan. Turn it up loud, they said. And so we did. A very good morning. It is morning brew through till one o'clock. Uh, James Ross in for Phil for one day only.